Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. I'll begin reading with verse 16 for the sake of time. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years of age under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentations weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. If I backed up in Matthew chapter two, you would read in verse two about a star in the east. You would read about uh, wise men who came. You would read about Verse 10, where they saw the star and rejoiced with exceeding great joy, fell down and worshiped the the Messiah born. You would read about shepherds in the field. You would read about angel visitations. It was amazing, the glory of God. You would read words like goodwill and peace and goodwill toward men. And sandwiched right in the middle of all of that is this strange text lifted from the pages of Jeremiah 31. A voice was heard in the middle of the birth of Christ and all the celebration, all of the joy, all of the happiness and laughter and singing of angels and announcements and proclamations to the world of peace and goodwill. Right in the middle, verse 18, a voice was heard in Ramah Lamentation, weeping, great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children because she couldn't be comforted. It seems so out of place. When I read it, it seems so, why is this here? It's inserted into the Christmas story. And I'm not preaching on Christmas this morning. I want to talk about this crazy verse in the middle that you never hear anybody preach on concerning the Christmas story. So what was taking place here? What was this about? This is not the first time this utterance shows up in Scripture. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, the 35th chapter. And in Genesis chapter 35, there's a woman by the name of Rachel we're introduced to. Rachel, according to the Scripture, was barren and could not have children. And she prayed a prayer of desperation in her barren state, give me children or let me die. Give me children or let me die. And God caused her and her husband, Jacob, to give a miracle birth to a miracle child of enormous potential, and his name was Joseph. Joseph would ultimately be the savior of the entire planet and world in that time, and these are just historical facts. There was such a famine that the whole world was starving to death, and Joseph had a dream from God, stored up food, seven years of it, to feed the hungry in the seven years of famine. And now, Jacob 
And little Joseph, who's a little toddler by this time, the miracle child, and Rachel are on their way to Bethlehem. They're taking a journey. And along the journey, she's nine months pregnant, and she goes into labor. And on the side of a dusty road, headed to Bethlehem, Rachel begins to give birth to her second child. His name would become Benjamin. That would be the line that the kings, all the kings of Israel would come through that bloodline. So this is a this is a heavy moment. The, Jacob's name would be changed to Israel. So all these children that they're having would become the children of Israel. That would become the nation of Israel through which a Messiah would come. So this is a pretty, pretty powerful moment when Rachel on the side of a dusty road is giving birth. Only a husband could plan a trip the ninth month of pregnancy on a donkey and she goes into labor and there's complications. We're not told what happened, but she begins to die. Rachel in giving birth to her second child at a place called Ramah. If you go to Israel today, you will find that Ramah is a landmark city. It's where the tomb of Rachel is. And it's significant, and here's why, because here, put yourself, every mother will, will understand this. Here is a mother who's just given birth to a brand new newborn baby, and the baby's laying on her breast. She's got little Joseph, a toddler, and she realizes, I'm dying. I'm leaving this world all the hopes and the dreams that I have for this children. Her husband, Jacob, is watching the whole nightmare, and he's weeping, and she's weeping, and she's weeping for her children. She's weeping like any mother would weep for their child, the hopes, the dreams. I'll never see it. Ramah is the place of separation. Rhema is where the baby is taken out of the dead fingers of the mother. Rhema is where the little toddler says goodbye to his mother for the last time. Ramah is where Jacob is weeping because his family has gone through a division and a separation of unspeakable pain. And the thing that stands out is Rachel weeping for her children because they are no more. She's going away. That's the beginning of the story. It's found in another place. Fast forward, fast forward, understanding that Ramah is the place of division for a family. Ramah is a place of division for little children and mom. It's a place of being torn apart for families and homes. And to this day, it is a sacred landmark in Israel that people go, especially Jewish people, to pay tribute to this weeping mother who lost her children that day on the dusty road to Bethlehem. Now, fast forward to 586 BC, many generations later, same spot, same place. You can't make this stuff up. The Bible is an amazing book. And here's the setting. Nebuchadnezzar has invaded with his powerful Babylonian army, the nation of Israel. He has pillaged 
and stolen all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the wealth. He has decimated the city. He has burned down the temple. He has, he has stolen the temple gold and vessels of gold and made a mockery and having a party, drinking his wines drunk with those vessels, mocking God, the God of Israel. And if that were not enough, he slaughtered their army. He's torn down the massive walls of Jerusalem and left the stones burned. There's nothing left of the temple. There's nothing left of the heritage. There's nothing left of the families much. But then he did something very strange that caught my attention, and I'd never seen it before in 2 Kings 24. I don't know why I missed this unless it was the right timing for the Lord to open my eyes to it. Nebuchadnezzar gave a strange command to his elite forces. He said, I want you to go through those who are still alive, the families of Israel, and I want you to look into each family, and I want you to find the children in the family, the teenagers, the young people, the youth that are in that household. And if you see special potential, if you see special talent, gifts, if you see that they're skilled in arts or in craft or in music, or if they're physically strong, if, they are, if there's something about them in their intellect or their abilities, their talents, I want you to pull them out of the family you're not going to believe this, and take them to Ramah and hold them in holding pens. I want 10,000, Nebuchadnezzar gave the command, 10,000 special children that were in the temple, 10,000 children that are gifted and anointed and have incredible potential and could do amazing things for the kingdom that they were in, which was the kingdom of God. But now I want you to gather them in the holding pens of Ramah, five miles outside of Jerusalem, the dusty road that leads to Bethlehem. And I want you to put barbed wire fence around them and I want you to chain them up. And when we go back to Babylon, we will take those children with us and they will build my kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar said, and they will cause me to be great and their talents and their gifts. I will use for my glory. And I want you to see the day when after he's done all the damage that he could do, Nebuchadnezzar stands out and he's about to leave Israel in the hands of the troops that he's going to leave, but he's taking with him 10,000 teenagers, 10,000 20-somethings, 30-somethings, the most talented, the most gifted, the most powerful, the most uh, creative, the most uh, inventive. He took them, kidnapped them, and, they're, and he's holding them at a place called Ramah where centuries before a woman named Rachel had had her children taken out of her hands as she wept her last breath and saw her family torn to pieces. Now, generations later, the cries of mothers and daughters being separated are being heard again. Generations later, the young people are crying for their parents Looking, realizing as the 
As the caravan begins to move, they're chained like slaves one to another, and they look back, and mom and dad are behind the barbed wire fence, and the mothers are weeping, the dads are weeping, the division, the, the, the separation of family, the, the, the family will never be the same, the home will never be the same, the children will never be the same, and they're weeping, families are broken, husbands and wives looking at each other saying, I can't believe this is happening to our home, to our family. How can this happen to our family? We raised them in the temple. How can this happen? We taught them to fear Jehovah, the one God. And, and now where is he? And the children are being taken away captive. Much like the, in my mind, I saw it like the World War II uh, Nazi troops as they took the Jews to concentration camps, and there someone would separate the mothers from their children. The children would go one way, and the mothers would go another way, and the dad would go another way. This is exactly what was taking place, and that's when we're given Jeremiah, who was alive and saw it. He was an eyewitness, and this is what he said happened at that moment as the, as the children are being, listen to me, enslaved. Those chains speak of addiction. Those chains speak of alcoholism. Those chains speak of drug addiction. Those chains speak of, of, of cocaine and marijuana and, 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 and all of the things that are enslaving a whole generation. And the dreams of parents are dying because the children are being enslaved and taken away from everything they were taught and raised in. Chains of mental illness, chains of depression, chains of eating disorders, chains of, 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 of sexual dysfunction, chains of immorality and lifestyles that, that, that they were not reared in, not raised in, taken into a whole new culture, and the children are going away, and the parents are grieving. And in the middle of that, Je Jeremiah said, I heard a voice, verse 15 of Jeremiah 31, I heard a voice in Ramah where they were being held as they're being taken away above the clinging of the chains, above the screams of the soldiers. Get in line was the voice of Rachel. It's like the ghost of Rachel because you know she was buried right there and her ghost comes up from the crypt, comes up from the sepulcher, and she starts above all those noises, an eerie, piercing, lamenting voice, weeping, weeping over the children. They're gone. They're gone. She's weeping. They could hear this eerie female voice weeping like the cry of a mother. A mother when she loses a child. A mother when she's standing at the graveside. A mother when she, when, she, when, she, when she goes through something that just so devastates. Have you ever heard your mother cry like that? Have you ever heard a mother cry? How many of you know what I'm talking How many of you are mothers and you know you've cried? Let me see your hand. Imagine. That's it. And hell whispers, they're mine. Your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, the marriages, the families are divided, separated for a second time. It happened first with Jacob and Rachel and little Joseph and infant 
Benjamin, separation, division in the family, torn to pieces. This time it's happening again because Nebuchadnezzar, boy, when I read that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, let this be a warning to the youth of your generation that you will preach to. Tell them that that spirit has never died. And COVID has brought great desperation to young people. You are the target of the enemy. You 20, you 30, you teenagers, you are the target. And the enemy has come to take the best out of our churches, out of our homes where we raised you to fear and honor God. And he wants to enslave you with addiction, enslave you with alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual perversion, enslave you and use all your gifts and all your potential and all your talent for him and his kingdom. And Rachel's been weeping. And up to this point, this is a pretty depressing sermon. Let's be honest. But you can't preach the gospel. It's called good news and stay depressed. It's a real book. It's a real book. It doesn't play games. It doesn't pretend like families are beautiful all the time and there's nothing but unity and love. And I love you, darling. I love you. Some of you siblings don't speak for years. This is real life. The only part of the Christmas story I can relate to, nobody ever preaches on it. I can't relate to the Virgin Mary, and you can't either because you aren't one and you were not one. And yeah, I, 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 cannot relate to, I cannot relate to angels on the hilltop singing glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill. I can't relate to wise men bringing gold. Uh, my children take my gold. Amen. Nobody brings me no gold for my children. I'd be, you know, you know I'd be a wealthy man, Phil, a wealthy man, almost as rich as you. I'd be a wealthy man. I can't relate to any of that, and you can't either. The one part of the Christmas story that we can relate to, families being divided, families weeping, families being torn to pieces, things, division coming into a home. We can all, in one way, we all know what it's like to have a son taken off. We all know what it is to have a daughter somewhere messed up in some lifestyle. We all know what it is. If it's not your son or your daughter, it's your granddaughter, it's your aunt, it's your sister's brother, or your sons. You got somebody jacked up in your family somewhere. I need somebody to get honest. This is the first service back. We might as well quit playing church. Somebody is out smoking dope today that used to be in the house of God. Some kid that was raised in kid pack is out in some immoral lifestyle right now. Satan's got the chain and Nebuchadnezzar's spirit says they're mine. Some kid is shacked up with her boyfriend or girlfriend and they know better. They know the truth and the truth is it breaks your heart and you're grieving and it hurts you. But I have come with good news today. Now we make the final shift. It's not how long you preach. It's how quick you can get there under the anointing. And I'm almost there. I feel this thing. The wise men show up in Jerusalem many centuries later. We saw a star. A king is being born. An angel told us. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of all the earth. He's the Messiah. He's a child of great potential. He'll save the world. 
And Herod, watch how that demon jumps from generation to There's nothing new. Crazy acting people. You think you're an original sinner. You're not no original sinner. We did the same stuff you acting like. And we know how stupid you are because we acted like that too. Y'all think your parents are so dumb. They know a lot more. The reason they know is because they were dumb like you. And they're trying to save you. Turn to your child if you're near them and say, I wasn't quite as dumb as you, but I, I, I was. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Same spirit now shows up to wipe out a whole generation in a time when deliverance is about to be born in Bethlehem, on the road to Bethlehem. And do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Jesus and Mary and Joseph being warned in a dream that Herod was going to slaughter all the male children two years of age and under, took their son of potential. And the Bible said, the wording's very specific. They took him to Egypt by night. There's a son in Egypt and it's night. And he's got great potential and some mother's weeping over him. He's out there. She's out there. And the tears matter to God. But I just came today to preach that can you imagine those children as they were taken to Ramah because I'm going to I'm going to quote you this same verse in that's in Jeremiah 15 now shows up in Matthew chapter 2, the birthing chapter of Jesus. And when Herod is slaughtering the two-year-old male children, he, he did it for two years. We think that was just one occasion. He did it for two years. For two years, he took those boys to a spot in Israel called Ramah, five miles north of Jerusalem, and he slaughtered one after another after another. And there, that place is where the mothers were weeping. That place was, the, was where the fathers were weeping as they watched their precious little. You know, you know how you feel about your children, parents. Can you imagine the horror? And one final time, the ghost of Rachel comes up in Matthew 2. And the prophet said in Matthew 2, the writer Matthew said said in, in, in chapter 2, a voice was heard in Ramah. Wait, what is that connected to? When Herod is slaughtering the innocents. Lamentation, weeping, great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And it sounds like that's it. That's it. The story is a sad, sad story. But I want to preach and I came to preach that Ramah is not a dead end street. Because if you go back to Jeremiah 31, and I'm going to, after you read about the weeping of Rachel in Ramah in verse 15, you can see it. The verse, throw it up. Jeremiah 31, 15, they're weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted. I know you preach that, Pastor, because they are no more, but you got to get it. You got to understand the setting. Next verse, something powerful happens. Thus says the Lord. Because Ramah 
is not a dead end street because down the road on the same road, a child is going to be born in Bethlehem and he shall be called Jesus and he shall save people from their curses and from their sins and break the chains of addiction and break the chains of shame and break the chains of condemnation. And the Lord says to weeping mothers and weeping grandparents, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work shall be rewarded, which means if you raised them right, they may get off course, but your work will be rewarded. Train up a child in the way they should go. They may drink from the polluted streams of sin. They may dabble in this and get hooked on that and end up here and there. But your don't, 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 don't leave my verse. Go back to my verse. Your work shall be rewarded. Anybody in here and the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar has kidnapped somebody from your family, can you grab hold of that promise? for somebody in your family. The reward is coming. I'm sorry if you were raised in a Christian home you are not going to have a lot of fun in sin. You'll have fun for a season and God is a party crasher. He crashed Nebuchadnezzar's party and wrote on the wall while they were drinking and backing it up. He smoking and he wrote on the wall, the party is over. I've come for my children. I've come for the children of the covenant. I'm come for the children that have been wept over and prayed over and fasted over and hell can't have our children and our children's children. Shout amen, somebody. Like you believe you've got a covenant. Like you believe you've got a promise. Y'all better put my promise back up. All right, now I want everybody in this room to get your mouth open, swallow real good, and get your throat loosened up, and I want you to say these words and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. Shout it out loud, everybody. They shall come back from the land. You got a brother, you got a sister that's out there. You got a chair empty in your house because they're on drugs or they're here or they're there. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. Clap your hands and praise God. Oh, somebody's grandma was weeping. She's dead, but her ghost has come back and seen some of you. And the only reason you're sitting here and not dead in the ground is God heard their weeping. Next part of that verse. This is the, this is the, this is the promise given at Ramah. There is hope in your future. Do you hear me, family? Family divided, family separated, family broken, family hurting, everybody in it dysfunctional and messed up. There is hope in your future, says the Lord. Listen to this, that your children will come back to their own border. They may be in the occult. They may be dabbling in witchcraft. They may be dabbling in 
some new Eastern religion. They may have told you, I don't believe that old black book. I don't want to hear about that cross and that blood. But that's the border. The boundaries that you raise them in. And my Bible said that they will come back to their own border. Might take a year. Here's the hard part. Might take 10 years. Might take 20 years. Might take me dying, you dying. Might be a lot of weeping. This is a phenomenal, fabulous promise. There is hope in your family's future. They shall come back to their own borders. And I heard the Lord say after I wrote this little sermon and preached it for the first time last Sunday, make hell pay. And I, in that moment, something exploded and the Lord said, 10,000 young people that the enemy has kidnapped and destroyed and used and abused and thrown aside, they're coming back. They're coming back. Your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, your children, your children's children, they're coming back. I don't need you to believe. I already have heard from the Lord. I, nobody will talk me out of it. I will see it. And the Lord said 10,000, 10,000 in every city, 10,000, 10,000 church kids, 10,000 kids raised in kid pack, Mac, raised in kid pack, sitting right there on the second row is Mac, Mac and his precious wife, Stacy. They came out here. They're from Georgia. I don't know why they keep coming to Orange County. They came with me 13 years ago. The first time I ever had a church service, they, he was here. They were here. He helped build Kid, kid Pack. He worked as a volunteer, successful businessman, flew out here on his own dime week after week after week after week after week after week after week to see this. And here we stand the first Sunday after the hell hit us with his best shot and tried to take out. Do you know how many young people have gotten into crazy stuff during COVID because they've lost all hope? They've lost all faith. They've lost everything. The enemy's just lied to them. They've lost their self-esteem. They've lost their confidence. They've lost their dream. They've lost it all. But I'm here today to say hell's going to pay. We're going to see 10,000 young people reached in Orange County and hell is going to pay. They're coming back to the church. They're coming back to the cross. They're coming back to the blood, the name, the name that is above every name. They're coming back to their own borders. They're coming home. And so I was laying in the bed Monday after I preached this, and we had a phenomenal move of God in Georgia. It was not the norm. It's very uncanny. And I just opened the altars, and hundreds and hundreds of young people ran from the top balconies to in every campus. We were going to every campus with the exception of this one last Sunday. And, and, and they ran to the altars, weeping, crying, 
throwing things down, throwing bags of dope down. I've never seen anything like people. I, I mean, I didn't know y'all brought it to church and light up out in the parking lot. My God, can you at least get off of holy ground and, and go do it over there in the other place? But that day they left it. And when one starts, another one starts, and another one starts, and another. They're throwing all kinds of stuff up there. Throwing packs of condoms up on the stage. Now that's called revival. That's called they shall come back from the land. of. The, there's no happiness in that land. There's no joy in that land. There's no sustained joy in what the world has to offer you. It'll leave you empty. It'll abuse you and use you and throw you aside and laugh at you. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. More abundantly. More abundantly. More abundantly. And the Lord spoke to me Monday morning early. I woke up and all I, all I heard, I know when I hear him, not an audible voice, but deep in here it said 10,000, 10,000. I kept hearing it, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. I said, what, Lord, what? He said, didn't Nebuchadnezzar claim 10,000 church kids? Go get them back. I said, how? He said, you know, I just gave you 10 million extra dollars. We had a family donate five and a half million and then you wonderful people matched it and we, it was supposed to be four and you've gone over that and we have 10 million and we, we, we were setting and God didn't give it to us to say we, so we can brag how much money we got while the harvest is going to hell. So the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you starting next year to go to 10 cities, major cities in America, start it in Atlanta, fill up that Coliseum, make sure it seats at least 10,000, do it free, don't charge the kids, bring them in from all over the city, don't charge one penny, bring the biggest bands, you get my... He said, he said, this is what the Lord, I mean, I'm laying there and it just starts down low. Call Reggie Dabbs, tell him I want him to go into the schools for a month in every city and then tell him you're going to partner with him. He's going, in other words, I'm going to be, he, he and I are going to preach. And Ben's going to preach and anybody else God tells us is going to preach. You're going to preach. What's your name? I forgot. Just in the moment. Jake, Jake the snake is going to preach. Come on! And we're going to go to 10 cities. We're coming Chicago. We're coming New York. We're coming LA. We're coming Orange County. 10,000 out of Orange County. I don't care if you believe it. I don't have a lot of things going for me, but I know when I hear from God, oh, it'll cost millions. But we got the money. We're operating off the top, not the bottom. And then the Lord said, my friend Jeff Addis is sitting over here. I'm almost done. And he's sitting over here and he's gone through hell. His family's gone through hell. My family's gone through hell. We don't have no secrets. You know how to do it all? I'll be glad to give you the mic. I don't want this. I don't have to have this at this point in my life. I'm doing this because God called me to do it. And he said, make hell pay. 
forever touching your family and my family and Jeff and Jeff 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 came to me with an idea almost a year ago and I forgot about it. I'm just being honest. And he said he said he said I got this idea of opening up uh, a, pro a program or some kind of campaign called No Hope, No Hope. And I thought he meant N O Hope. He said no, K N O W Hope. No hope. And the Lord, while I'm laying in the bed, Ian, I'm laying in the bed, the Lord said, now don't just go in and have a big revival and a youth conference, but build, build no hope centers, drug rehabs, alcohol rehabs, build 10 of them, partner with my dear friend, Dr. Tim Clinton, who has 30,000 trained counselors, certified counselors. He has this amazing, the biggest Christian organization of counselors in the nation is my very dear friend, Tim Clinton. And I called him. He said, I'm in, I'm in. I'll staff them. I'll take care of them. How are you going to do that? Jehovah Jireh is my provider and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm too crazy now. The devil should have, I was good and content to go off into the sunset, an easy ride. I've had a good run here, praise the Lord, but now my fight is back and I am declaring war on the power of the enemy that is shredding youth's life. Hell will not win, hell's gonna pay. I want every mom, every dad, I want every grandparent, get up on your feet. I want every teenager, I want every college student, I want everybody under the sound of my voice, throw your hands up and say, Lord, make hell pay in my family for every tear, for every heartache, for every separation, for every minute of division, make hell pay. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.